This is Jim O'Donnell from the Taos Land Trust. You are listening to our podcast about land, water, culture, and conservation in northern New Mexico. Our guest today is arborist Paul Brian Jones, and we are here to talk about urban forests. And, you know, while we think about the, the word forests and cities don't necessarily go, uh, go together in our thought, urban forestry has uh, started to bridge that gap. Some cities have minimal tree cover due to inadequate soil or lack of space or lack of planning. A lot of communities just don't think about uh, urban forestry and having trees in their, within their, their city limits. Others are partially covered. Others have very healthy forests. And these urban forests are carbon storage machines. <laughs> Not only do they give shade and make uh, cities more pleasant, but they also store tremendous amounts of carbon. So in recent decades, cities around the world have started to think about urban forests and their benefits um, as a need for climate change mitigation has increased. And, and on the whole, trees improve the quality of life for millions of people who live and work in urban areas. They filter polluted air, uh, they reduce smog formation, they prevent erosion, clean up contaminated land, they support local wildlife like birds, and they shelter buildings and people from heat and cold. So this all got us thinking, you know, what's the condition of our urban forest here in Taos? Is it better now than it was 20 years ago? And what do we need to do to have a healthy, vibrant, and equitable urban forest in our community? Paul, thank you for joining us. Oh, you're, you're welcome. Why don't you tell us just a little bit of your background and, and who you are and what do you do in town? I think most people probably know you, but, you know, for those who don't, tell us who you are. Okay. Um, I started in 1972, and I started in the green industry and horticulture. And uh, I've been working with plants and trees for the last 50 years. Uh, I got lucky to find my calling. And the second calling I got was somebody told me I should become an arborist and study arboriculture. And uh, the neat thing is I went with his suggestion. It was a gentleman, a third-generation arborist, and he told me I should become a consulting and certified arborist, which I took his lead and did. <laughs> and that was in 1997. And now I'm the chair of the Taos Tree Board. I am also the chair of the Urban Forest Council for New Mexico. And I'm actively volunteering to educate our youth and our next generation about the importance of healthy tree and tree care. We were also going to have uh, Peter Allen, who's also from the Taos Tree Board, on with us. But uh, the cold got to his vehicle this morning, and so he, <laughs> he didn't get in here. Yeah, he didn't make it. <laughs> I, hope he's, I hope you're listening now, Peter. Um, okay, so what is the Taos Tree Board? Uh, the Taos Tree Board, it's a um, group of volunteers, and it was established in 2015. It's seven adults and two students that advise the town on how to care and maintain the trees here in Taos. It was also designed because we were a Tree City USA and uh, Tree City is a national organization through the National Arbor Day Foundation. And uh, it helps us qualify for grants and support for our urban community trees. So That's great. And so how did, who are the students? How does that, that work? Well, in the past, we've had students from the Taos High School. And uh, thanks to Jim Gilroy, who is the environmental education teacher over there has supported uh, the tree board and taught the high school students how to actually value the trees. And we've had 
two volunteers over the last five years. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, the Taos Tree Board is independent of the, the town, right? Well, we're, we're, we are and we aren't. Okay. We're, we have been adopted under the town council, so we have to follow parliamentary procedures. And then we also have another piece where we actually do hands-on workshops, plantings, and community activities. And we can talk even more about that later. But okay. it's, it's mainly about uh, getting people involved with the care of trees. And so you advise the town council, town government. Uh, what about the county? The county we have not connected with, but okay. uh, I'm hoping to do that in the future. All right. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is because I've been in and out of Taos my whole life. And I remember just even just 20 years ago, much less when I was a kid, that we had a lot more tree cover in town. There's a lot of big old trees that have come down over the past 10, 20 years. And I just want to get your opinion, like where, where are we in terms of our tree cover? I think we'll, we'll talk about the future later, but where are we as compared to say 20 years ago? Well, um, that's a good question because um, I've been here since 86 and I kind of agree to you about our tree canopy re being reduced. So, and the, the issue with that is we haven't had any... Um, programs planting trees when we lose trees. Way back in 1990, there was uh, more tree failures from storms and wind events, and the dryness has affected the whole uh, town and county over the last 20 years. So trees have actually declined a little bit faster than normal, and they were planted 150 years ago, a century and a half a century ago. Right. So the new plantings haven't kept up with the failures. So our tree canopy has been reduced over the last uh, two, and a, two and a half decades. Okay. All right. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Yeah. So we, so we have lost tree cover in, in town as these older trees have, have uh, met their fate. Yeah. That's a sad thing, but trees have a lifespan. So. Right. So kind of stepping out a little bit, what, what is an urban forest? How do we define that? An urban forest is a built community that we actually decide where to put the trees instead of like the natural forest. I'm going to add a little bit. That's a natural setting. Trees kind of come and go on a natural cycle. And in an urban forest, we built a city, county, town, and we have incorporated trees in that setting. So we have put the trees where we wanted them or thought we wanted them. And we have to learn how to uh, educate ourselves more on right tree, right place. And, and that's a new big vision that the trees we planted 50 years ago may not have been the correct trees or 100 years ago, that we now have to understand what the trees need, the species to plant and the locations to plant them in. And so in a way, an urban forest is kind of part of the infrastructure or can be seen as part of the infrastructure of a city. Yeah, I think what uh, we're starting to learn is the gray infrastructure compared to the green infrastructure in most of our urban areas, the green infrastructure actually rises in value as the trees and, and the plants get older and do all the benefits you mentioned earlier. Okay, and so you were talking about species. So, and I know obviously, depending on where you are in the world, the species composition of the urban forest is going to be different. Um, but what are some trees that, that might be um, suitable for, 
for an urban forest? Well, um, as you mentioned, it depends on where you're located at. So here in our high desert plateau, we have a lot of native species that we kind of focus on, like our cottonwoods and our black locusts and our um, ash trees have been in, introduced in this area. We have native uh, maple trees, which are called box elder, and everybody doesn't understand that's actually in the maple family. And they actually uh, benefit the uh, royos and the sakias because they hold the, the, the banks in really well. They hold the soil. Yeah, uh-huh. keep, keep erosion down, and they're a native species. So um, I think what we should focus on the native species. But just last week I went to a conference where we have to start thinking about climate-ready trees. Okay, what does that mean? That means that with the climate changing, and they did a kind of a two-year study on that, and they found out, and I'm going to use Albuquerque as an example. Right now, the average temperature is 92. By, by the end of the century, it's going to be 103. That's so, a big shift. Big shift with temperatures, highs and lows. So we have to start growing and planting trees that are suitable for hotter and drier climates. In other words, I guess, now that I think about it, you know, the end of the century is only 80 years away, and trees that live to be 100 or 150 or even 200 years old, um, we need to kind of plan ahead is what you're saying. Yes, and and it was really a nice vision that was at this conference where there was over 350 arborists in the room. It was a good idea how to look forward for our next generations and to keep our tree canopies intact. Right, and we do want to be thinking about people who are living in our cities and towns after we're gone. Yes. Yeah. Take our, care our, of our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. Exactly. <laughs> well, so what are some climate-ready trees? Well, they did a study, and they had a list of about 50 trees. Okay. And um, each, depending on location, that's the, kind of the key, uh, the right site, um, they're, they're trying to focus on, uh, like, catalpa trees. They do really well in Albuquerque. We have about a dozen species here in Taos. Start thinking about catalpa trees that will work here. They're called Western catalpas, so they're more climate ready for us. Uh, another and those one, would work well in Taos. Yes, that's just one of many species that will work well here. What's another example? There's a box elder tree that's called a box elder sensation, and that's a variety of box elder that's been propagated so that it can grow fast, have a beautiful fall color, and can maintain itself under uh, low maintenance conditions like low water, heat, poor soils. So it's a really good species that we've been trying over the last five years here in Taos. It's working. Did they, at this conference, did they talk about what Taos's temperature shift may be uh, by the end of the century? No, I think the focus was mainly in Albuquerque, and okay. and uh, there is a large grower there, and uh, they grow 30,000 trees a year, and they focus on different areas that you're mentioning. They focus on trees that don't do well in northern New Mexico, central, and southern New Mexico. Okay. Yes. All right. But we, I think we can imagine that if Albuquerque is going to go from an average of 92 degrees to an average of 103 degrees in the next 80 years, we will also see quite a shift up here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. And, and maybe even a little bit faster because of our elevation. Right. Yeah, yeah. bigger shift. Yeah. 
at the start, I listed a little bit of why um, urban trees are important, but but let's kind of revisit that in more detail. Um, why are they important? What do they do for us? Well, um, they, they have a lot of benefits. Um, number one, they, uh, as you mentioned, core our streets and our buildings and our homes. Uh, they actually are a feel-good tree. And when you walk in a park, you come back with a different spirit. When you come back walking from a park, you feel better, energized. They have this unique property to make us feel connected from the from the sky all the way down to the land. So that's an, another benefit. And there, there's many more. Uh, you mentioned... Yeah, yeah, let's dive into those. Okay. Uh, <laughs> one thing I, I think people don't understand, they actually sequester water. They actually hold water and let it go down, slowly infiltrate into the soil and recharge our groundwater. So a lot of people don't understand oh. if they have trees on their properties, they're actually benefiting their wells and uh, the community. And they're, they're storing the water and we reuse it better that way if there's trees on your property. And so, and would that also impact, say, the acequias that run through town? and Acequias and the erosion... Uh, storm events, if we have a lot of rain, they actually hold the, 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 the rain in place, slow it down. Right, slow it down and clean it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, Clean it a lot. <laughs> yeah, right, right, especially if it's running off the streets. <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're a great filtering system for air and water and land. So, Okay, um, and yeah, let's go back a little bit to that, that's that cooling the, the buildings, cooling the, the towns. I, I can't remember the exact numbers that I've seen, but I, but I have seen where streets that are without trees are quite a bit more hot than, tree, than streets with trees. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go with the street trees first. Okay. Um, they actually help the pavements and the roads slow down degradation. They, they actually slow down the process of the sidewalks and the, and the roads uh, wearing out faster. They actually cool them down, keep them at a good oh. temperature, and, and slow down that resurfacing of, of sidewalks and roads. So they're a big benefit doing that. Cost-saving. Cost-saving, very economically. We can go into a depth in economics because trees really are like a plus-plus. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we think, I think that, that a lot of times, you know, we, th- we think about the cost of things. Mm-hmm. It's going to be expensive to build a sidewalk. It's going to be expensive to put in trees. But there's, for both of those examples, there's cost savings. They're, and they're big. And they've done a lot of studies over the last 30 years about the, the benefits that outweigh the gray infrastructure. They actually, like I said earlier, they, they increase in value. All right. That's... Okay. So let's, can we jump to homes? Yes. Yeah. Well, at your home, uh, I gave a talk to the fifth graders. We we're actually doing a tree poster contest. It's in its fourth year. Okay. And at what school? At all the fifth grade classes in Taos. So oh, okay. And I can name them all. There's six schools. There's Taos Charter, Taos Academy, uh, Ranchos Elementary. We have Enos Garcia, and then the Taos Day School at the Pueblo is is joining in on the tree poster contest. But what I told people is, in my talk about benefits, they act like natural swamp coolers. If you plant a tree on the right side of your property, they actually keep your house cooler, and you may not have to use your swamp cooler as much, especially large trees. We're talking about ash trees and cottonwood trees and locust trees and 
even some of the larger apple trees and crab apples, they actually on the south, southwest, west side, actually benefit your home because they keep your house cooler all summer long. But the other benefit is they drop their leaves and they actually let the sun come through in the winter, which the sun is lower, and they actually uh, a, a passive energy for your heating. Right. So when you need the warmth, they let it in, yeah. and when you don't want it, they keep it out. <laughs> they keep it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So cost savings not only to the the town, the the town government, but also to um, uh, to the individual homeowners. Correct. Yeah, and yeah. obviously office buildings, businesses, everything, schools, like everything. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I've also read in in a couple of different places where uh, trees, when when you have a street lined with trees, it increases economic activity because people want to be on those streets, uh, moving around, going in and out of shops, things like that. Yeah, and it also increases your property value. People don't even even take that. Every tree they plant will increase their their value of their home. And and, uh, if you're into reselling your home, if you have more trees and plants on it, it's going to be a benefit. It's going to be a benefit. All right, we are talking about uh, urban forests here on the Taos Land Trust Radio Show. We've got to take a short break, and we will be right back. Hi, this is Christy Nortez, the Executive Director of the Taos Land Trust. We know you love land. We do, too. We want to protect more of it, but we need your help. Please donate at tauslandtrust.org slash donate. Thanks. I was looking, Paul, at um, uh, this list of towns that are considered to have the best urban forests. Austin, Charlotte, Denver, Milwaukee, Minneapolis, New York, Portland, Sacramento, Seattle, and Washington, D.C. These are American cities. Obviously, um, uh, in other places of the world, there's uh, impressive urban forest. Tokyo, I guess, has a very impressive urban forest, which I find really interesting. Um, is, are there any other places that you've looked at that stand out to you? Well, uh, I, I, I was a Coloradan for a while, for about 16 years. So uh, Denver is kind of my favorite go-to city. Right. Uh, but they got established before us, so... Uh, they have a lot more history dealing with urban forestry and uh, promoting their uh, community. But my pick of, of that choice is not on your list. It's Albuquerque, New Mexico. Tell us why. Uh, because they've been really, really uh, top of the list, in my opinion, over the last three, three, three decades. So the last 30 years, they've come a long way with their uh, city forestry program. And that's the help with the New Mexico State Forest Urban and Community um, Program that they have. The, the office is there in Albuquerque. So the partnership that they have and the other uh, organizations there really, really have come together as a team to promote healthy urban forests down there. And what are some of the things that they're doing, like specifically, what are they doing to, to increase their urban forest or to take care of it? Well, one thing, they have a real active city forester, Joran Beers, and um, he's kind of a progressive type city forester because he's really proactive about dealing with their uh, street trees, public trees. And he has connected with the state, New Mexico State Forestry Department, on different programs, and one of them, which is a pilot program, and I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it because it just launched <laughs> last pilot. year. Yeah, because it's a pilot, and it launched last year, and it's called the Tree Steward Program. So what they did is they t- took an example from um, 
one of their uh, suburbs, uh, Rio Rancho, and they've had this program in place in Rio Rancho for the last few years. Um, I'm not sure about how long. Okay. But uh, they uh, used a pilot program to start educating people throughout Albuquerque and the subdivisions and areas of Albuquerque how to care for trees. And part of that program, I kind of looked it up a little bit this morning, is once you go through this program, you spend a year volunteering your services as a volunteer, doing workshops, uh, planting trees, pruning trees, education, education through the schools, anything you can do to get the word out for, for, for trees and tree care and maintenance. Uh, does Albuquerque have like a plan that they work from, say, they're, are they looking at the next 80 years? Yeah, and uh, uh, they're working with a, a big, a wonderful organization. I'm not going to say big. is the Natural Conservancy, and they're stationed in Albuquerque also. The nat, nat, Natural? Natural Conservancy. Nature Conservancy. Oh, the Nature Conservancy. Okay. Yeah. I-T-N-C, the Nature Conservancy. And they're a wonderful organization, and they're doing a lot of planting and workshops, and they've really uh, invested grants and funding in Albuquerque to ha- help improve their uh, urban forest. Is is there anything else that stands out about either Albuquerque or any of these other cities that you know about that that where they have a program that helps make their urban forests so imp- impactful, I guess? Well, I think it's it's the energy of the volunteers within that city. And I'm going to use Albuquerque again. Okay. They have hundreds of volunteers actively, uh, uh, doing, it's called a neighborhood, uh, tree, uh, I I don't know if it's a program project. It's a neighborhood tree project. And they're taking every neighborhood with volunteers walking around, seeing where they need trees, applying for grants, and improving each individual neighborhood when they can. Okay. So does that make sense? Yeah, it yeah, does. Yeah. yeah, and to have that volunteer base, and I can jump to uh, Denver, they have a large organization of uh, tr- uh, tree uh, volunteers in, in Denver, and there are millions of people there in Denver. So Yeah, right. It's a little bit bigger than <laughs> we us. We have a half a million in Albuquerque. So. Yeah, right. Well, you know, and I think of, about Washington, D.C., which is one of my favorite cities, um, um, not necessarily because of what goes on there, but just because it's a, it's a really cool city, <laughs> just despite the government. It's also got a large volunteer program. Um, the, it has, uh, when I was reading about their urban forest, is that they have a vision long-term vision, long-term plan, and then they've been able to integrate the volunteers into that, that vision. Uh, can I, I'll step back and tell you about New Mexico Urban Forest Council has a five-year strategic plan, and they work with the U.S. Forest Service, which has a forest action plan. So combining those two uh, uh, bullet points that they want to get out to the area of Albuquerque and the state of New Mexico, they really want to move forward on a vision how to care, use wood in, in different communities. It's called urban uh, municipal forest uh, wood u- utilization in different cities so that the wood that we take down, we use it for all different reasons, Plant, you know, firewood, pellets. There's all kinds of usage for municipal uh, wood. So... Um, the, the plan is reviewed every year, 
at the end of the year, we, we as the New Mexico Urban Forest Council review this plan and we actually see how we targeted some of our goals and objectives and how we have to move forward and, and, and actually cross off some more goals and objectives for the next year. Does the New Mexico Urban Forest Council have a website? Not not an actual website. They actually are under the uh, Urban and Community Forest Program. And if you uh, went to NewMexicoStateForestry.org, you could find it. Okay, so it's through New Mexico State Forestry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I hope I said that right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look up uh, New Mexico State Forestry and then look for the Ur- Urban and Community Forest Program uh, for more of that information there. And they have funding. They have grants available. And we've used those grants over the last seven years. Being a Tree City USA status, we got qualified to use some of the community forest assistant programs that they have. And what does that do? Um, uh, we've used it for a tree survey. We actually uh, have surveyed over 6,000 trees in Taos with some of that grant money. And that leads to another two, three-year program, that just a project that just was uh, uh, launched here in New Mexico. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But uh, it actually gives you funds for education. We used it for workshops. We used it for plantings. Uh, we would staged about three uh, pruning and planting workshops a year. And we hope to continue that this next year, doing more workshops, hands-on, getting the community and the children out there to do these workshops. And is there a, a move to, to build a volunteer base, I guess, here in Taos well, for our trees? Yeah, that's a good question. We do have a big base, that kind of a, a under-the-radar type base, because uh, we just developed a... Um, Town of Taos Community Tree Care Plan that was adopted in November by the town council. Okay. And that is a community-based plan. We had two years of workshops. We had over 100 volunteers come and give us input. And we took all that input and kind of put it in a format so we could look at all the requests, goals, and objectives. And we have a pretty good plan that's in place right now. So what's in our tree plan for Taos? With this plan, which took us, uh, the tree board, I'm going to put us as the tree board. It took us about about four to five years to put this in place and get it approved. Uh, I've done research over the last 15 years on the plan, so I kind of was, you, you one, ready. Of the, I was <laughs> one of the co-founders. And I had a lot of help with the tree board. I have to give them a thumbs up. They, they really helped put this uh, plan uh, in print, and now it's it's a plan. The next step, we just had our last tree board meeting, and they took the plan, they took the tree survey that was done over the last three or four years, and the GPS analyst from the town actually gave us some charts and graphs how to start prioritizing the trees in Taos and how to care for them and maybe develop a tree management plan for the town and how we can move forward and care for our trees. Okay. Is that, it's, it's pretty, it's just the first step. And the next step would be trying to get some uh, regulations and support for our trees so that our trees don't get taken down without a good reason. You know, a tree right. protection plan uh, or tree preservation plan. Uh, kind of to keep on developing the plan so we can add pieces that really work for our community. That's one thing that causes a lot of consternation in this town is that trees get taken down and 
um, just suddenly, it seems like in some cases, and, and um, a lot of community members are quite upset about that. Well, you can you actually go, go to Washington, D.C. They ac actually have regulations there, if you read in depth, is that you can't take a tree down unless you have a, a certified consulting arborist come out, look at the tree, evaluate the tree, and then see if there's any care or any reason not to take it down, not to take it down. An alternative to cutting it. Right. Yeah. And, and that's a big thing in most of your big cities. So would that entail the town council passing some sort of regulation? Well, the regulation is it would be a tree ordinance that needs to be developed with the community's input. Okay, yeah. so so we're talking about a larger ordinance of how to care for our urban forest that now we're going to look at developing that mm -hmm. ordinance. Yeah, some of the suggestions was to have a, a two-year community workshop so we can get everybody's input, put it down on paper, right. and then take it to the planning director and have him look at some of our suggestions and ideas to regulate our trees in town from preservations to heritage trees to public trees in our parks and kind of get the community's input first and then take it to, to the planning okay. department. So. And, and would that also involve the county? I know you said earlier that you had not quite made contact with the county yet on all of this, but would they be a, um, I, I'm just thinking because our particular town limit, our town is really small geographically. Mm -hmm. Would would that have to involve the county? Yeah, I would. I would ideally, say, <laughs> I, I, ideally, I think that tree management plan would be a bigger piece to include the community, and along with regulations, so they can see how, over the last decade, how we developed this plan and how it would benefit the county and the town in conjunction. Because okay. the tree canopy actually is the whole Taos area. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of that, I was going to jump to this later, but I, I have a lot of people have asked me this, is when they redo, the state does the, the um, reconstruction along Paseo um, starting this summer. I mean, it started further down uh, last year, but um, we're going to get into the center of town now. Are there... Are there plans for trees and urban forest environments along that reworked route? Yeah, that DOT meetings that we had, we uh, uh, suggested tree plantings with curb cutouts so the irrigation is natural. So when we have a storm, the water runs into these cutouts, trees grow naturally and with sustainable water that from the, from the precipitation. So that was our idea instead of putting in irrigation, a lot of gray infrastructure and hardware, just have a natural flow and do some, they're called bioswells, where you right. have lower areas where the water is captured. So, And we're, what was the response to that request? We still haven't heard back about the if we were in time with their plan to have that implemented. So okay. that would be a question for the landscape architect for the state. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, so we'll we're, have to we're double still check working, on that. Yeah, we're still working on connecting with him because he, he's the landscape architect for the whole state. So to get a request and, and his input, it takes a little bit of time. Right. You know, when you talk about bioswales and, and using the runoff from precipitation events like our snow yesterday mm -hmm. to, to water the trees, it makes me think of, you know, these large parking areas like Smith's and Albertson's, Walmart, where you have these huge parking lots where lots of water falls uh, on those areas. Um, and can those, can, 
can can that water on, on those large parking areas be captured and used to to sustain a, an urban forest? Well, my thought would be uh, catch systems on those parking lots. So actually capture those waters and have them in a tank or under, underground storage and have it so that you have circulating tanks so the, the water doesn't stagnate. And, and continues to get aerated. So actually use it, pump it back out periodically so it's refreshed and recharged. So just a, a cycling with catch systems would, right. would be a way to catch tons, thousands of gallons of water. Yeah, it is thousands of gallons that fall on, you know, not only our roofs, but just these these parking areas, yeah. like our, our gray infrastructure, mm-hmm. as you say. Um, we have to take a short break. Uh, we will be right back. What are some of the challenges of urban forestry as compared to, say, wildland forestry? Um, boy, that's a big, big answer. So uh, I'm going to try to big fo- questions, <laughs> big answers. <laughs> so I'm going to try to focus on the challenges we have in urban forestry compared to the na- national and state forests. Okay. Um, funding is the big picture right now. We're having a, a big economic. Um, challenge throughout the whole U.S. compared to just uh, the Southwest, but the big thing is funding, and there's not a lot of funding uh, that's trickling down from the federal government to the state to our to our towns and cities. So the way I would explain that is um, collaborating, and I'm taking Albuquerque as an example because they're collaborating, like I said, the Nature Conservancy and uh, they have also a zero escape council there. They have a big water uh, uh, association there. So water, which is key to everything we have on our land, they're actually working as a collaborative effort to find funds, find sources to actually uh, help urban forestry. And to, to, to forecast that a little bit is that you actually have to have some tree inventories, some surveys, some research to help support your community then, then to move forward with a grant proposal. So if you have the... So you've re- got to have the data to back up your your desires. Yes. Your, okay. Uh, d- data goes to desires. Right. right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good point because if you don't have that and you apply for these grants, you, you may not be on the top 10 for the list because there's a lot of people applying throughout the U.S. for some of these grants. And, and, and like you said, it's limited, the amount. Right, the limited amount. So they kind of uh, split it apart on, I mentioned the top 10. So uh, say the top 10 get uh, $18,000 out of a $180,000 grant. This is just theoretical. Okay. So anyway, so if we do that here in Taos, which we have in the past, became becoming a Tree City USA, which is from the National Arbor Foundation uh, status, and we got that in 2010, and keeping that status, and there's some requirements, keeping that status so we can qualify for the next grant coming down the line, either statewide or nationally, so through the U.S. Forest Service. So um, I think that's the biggest challenge is funding, and most funding includes volunteers. They actually value volunteers. So that's a good piece of your grant writing because you actually, your volunteers are worth so many 
dollars per hour. So if you have 100 volunteers, that makes the grant more of a cost share where we're adding volunteer hours to that project so that it can be workable for that grant. Does that make sense? Yep, it yeah. does. Okay. Yeah. So volunteers is kind of the key. Having things in place like surveys, inventories, research, and uh, moving forward uh, locally, in my opinion. If we do it locally, we can build up from the bottom up. So Okay. So that funding piece is... Um, is a significant uh, portion of the challenges faced by our for our urban forest program. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And I've been to uh, national conferences, and that's everything they talk about and how they actually, on a positive note, how you can get that funding. Right. They direct you and, and they educate you how you can move forward with that funding. You know, about a year ago on this show, um, I talked to a guy, and I can't remember his name at the moment, but um, he he wrote a book called The Poetry of Place, and he he's a, an, an urban planner, and um, he one of his assertions was that, you know, you really have to protect the character of your place, especially if you're a tourist town like Taos, that... Um, um, you want to protect the character of your place for your visitors, but also for the people who live there. And one of the things he brought up several times was, um, was that, that we need to, to make our town attractive by using trees and urban forests to reduce heat, to give shade, but just generally to maintain the character of, of the town. And he was really big on that. He was he was pushing that a lot. Uh, my my uh, take on that is it's not just trees and shrubs and our gray infrastructure. It's the green infrastructure. It's all our open spaces that we have, and like our parks, our and- parks, our plazas, our open space that are on streets. Uh, you mentioned the DOT improvement on the south end of town, and that how trees were not incorporated in that right yeah <laughs> uh and um what, what we're finding out is we have to be like really really proactive when these uh, projects come about we have to be in like pre-stage instead of after stage and all of a sudden when we have a public meeting some of these uh, plans because of timelines are already decided right. so we need to try to actually kind of step forward ahead of time if somebody hears that they're going to improve the streets kind of go go with the DOT and say, hey, what can we do to, to get trees on this plant? <laughs> right, exactly. And this gentleman that I'm referring to, he, he was saying much the same thing, is that you have to really plan ahead for that because the trees bring people to spend money and they encourage locals to spend money. So there's an economic impact in, in terms of just feeling comfortable. And there's a whole group of people that love tree tours. I mean, they go to really? Denver. Uh, there's a tree tour in Colorado Springs where they have this booklet and you go throughout the city and they have all the trees identified and the values of the trees and the benefits economically, environmentally, and socially. So it's a, it's a book. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. And I have a book in my truck that's from the, one of the Denver parks. Oh, yeah. I, that's that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, so it's a good example. I'm trying to introduce that in the next 10 years with the tree board. <laughs> right. And try to kind of develop our parks to have this kind of booklet or a tree tour downtown so people can visit our, our historical and heritage trees that we have and right. the, the valued trees. Because it's true that in Taos, some of our trees actually have an interesting history, right? Why they were planted and how they, they came up. Yeah, um, 
<laughs> I kind of lost track there with the. Sorry, yeah, me too. I don't know why we've got a phone going in the background, but so, so repeat that again. Um, just that in in Taos, uh, some of our urban forests. I'm I'm thinking of in Kit Carson Park have uh, an interesting history behind them, mm-hmm. right? Like as to why they exist. Yeah, uh, back in the early 1900s, we had people planting trees. Different families, actually, uh, uh, Ortiz family. Uh, uh, Mamby was another gentleman that did that. Um, the Dolan family. Okay. On Dolan Street. Dolan Street. Birch family on right. Birch. So these families actually got together earlier in our history and said, trees are important. And that brings me to, we became a New Mexico urban, a New Mexico Arbor Day before we even became a, a state. We, in 1891, we, we actually have designated from a territorial legislation that we became a New Mexico Arbor Day was March 13th, which is the second Friday of March. That's what it is this year. So that was in 1891. We became a state in 1912. So becoming a, 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 a tree, taking care of our trees was more important than statehood for us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so to, to add to that is I think we've had these families and cycles where we really value the trees. And I think we just need to get jump on that wagon again and start planting more trees and taking them down because we're, they're at an old history. They're, they're pretty old trees, so we they need are. to do some reforestation work. New Mexico Arbor Day is March 13th, and National Arbor Day is April 24th. Just real quick, are there going to be some events that the tree board or you or some, some folks are, are working on for March 13th or April 24th? Yes, March 13th is the day... Um, we started at the middle of January, and we started a fifth-grade tree poster contest, and I mentioned some right. of those schools. And uh, the winners will be announced on March 13th, on Friday, throughout the schools. We actually have the tree board going to each school and handing out the awards. And we've had a lot of support from the community with gift certificates. And so uh, we've had gift certificates for different uh Places in Taos that's really unique, and I, I shared it with the students so they would get excited. So, like, Gutters promoted our tree poster contest, the, the movie theater did, um, uh, Ziggy's uh, Yogurts. Right. Uh, there's a art supply store in town. They gave us a gift certificate. We've had donations from, like, like uh, Randall Lumber and Kit Carson Electric. So it's been a real ongoing project that's even growing so we have all six students but and that's for march 13th march 13th uh-huh. that's new mexico arbor day so on national arbor day is the 24th and we had a meeting at our tree board and we're thinking about doing a, a two three hour uh event at Carson park planting trees oh cool uh, yeah and that would probably be on a saturday which is actually april 26th okay and then on the 24th is national arbor day and we've had different uh even the county asked us if we wanted to plant trees in one of their parks. So it's it's growing, and I think it's going to be a three-day event. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Maybe in a couple of years we can um, reforest the, uh, the the state highway on the south end of town. <laughs> that would be a great project because there is a water source because wherever you have hydrants, there's a water source. There's a water source, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I go to Cuba every year. I, do, I teach a photography workshop down there, and— after uh, Castro came to power, one of the big things that they did was 
go uh, out into these rural areas and plant trees along the highways. And so it, it's just really kind of cool. You There's large sections of, of the, the roads out in rural areas and the highways in Cuba where you're driving down a tunnel of trees and it goes for miles and miles and, and it's kind of cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious, is there any sort of idealized target percentage of tree cover that communities go for in planting urban forests? That's a good question. During this tree conference last year, which was Think Trees New Mexico, they said ideally for an urban area, it is 15 to 25% tree canopy cover. And what they say is that will benefit the community the most to have that many trees. 15 to 25% of the community in tree cover. Correct. Okay. And what do we have? Currently, do we know? <laughs> uh, no, because we haven't done a tree survey throughout the town. Okay. So I'm going to use that as an excuse. But <laughs> I, I would guess we're we're real close to that 15%. Okay. And that's mainly because of all the old large trees we have. Right. Because tree canopy uh, talks about the spread and cover of the trees that protects the ground. So if you took an aerial photo, it's pretty well covered in the town of Taos. But if you finger out for the town Taos area, it keeps on reducing. And we need to think about the whole Taos area and getting it to that 15% like the, the town of Taos. Minimum 15%. Minimum, yeah, minimum, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that makes me think about all the elm trees around town. So we've talked about our native species being part of this, but I think a large percentage of our canopy is Siberian elm, which is a famously invasive species that does really well. Yeah, um, I have different takes of that because yeah. um, it, Mixed may, feelings it may have. be our climate-ready tree. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yeah, because it really survives here well, but it's the maintenance of it because of the, the how many seeds and how it propagates so easily. Right. So we really have to step lightly how to move forward on uh, dealing with the Siberian elms, and I think they are a value tree. They have their benefits. They shade our place. They grow really fast, low maintenance. So we really need to step forward and maybe think about how to incorporate those Siberian elms as part of our tree canopy on a positive note. So just because they're invasive does not mean that we don't want to consider them because they may be one of our most more adaptable species. That's correct. Especially as we heat up. Yeah. So I really don't think we should be removing any Siberian elms at this point. (laughs) That are not a problem. That's that's a good that's a good statement to make. That's very clear. Yeah, <laughs> if they're not a problem. Yeah. So just to conclude, like, where do you see where do you see us going from here in Taos as far as our our, our trees? Well, uh, well, with the tr- with the tree management plan in place, I think tree planting is a big piece of that. So if we can start planting two trees for every one we take down, and if we plant more trees throughout our schools and our nonprofit areas, and then at our homes, plant more trees that will do well on low maintenance. I don't believe on high maintenance trees. And just really focus on the right tree for your place. Site is important. Watch how the water runs off your property, where it collects. That's a natural watering system for your trees. Right, exactly. And is there is there a resource that um, homeowners or nonprofits can go to to uh, for advice on how to how to start getting the right trees in place. Yeah, there's one called treesaregood.org. 
Okay, www.treesaregood.org. Yeah, and that's a good one because it talks about planting, pruning, tree care. Then I would stick with our New Mexico State Forestry Urban and Community Forest uh, program that they have there. Okay. So they have a lot of local information. And is there a way that folks can get in contact with the tree board? Yeah, uh, our tree board email address is taustreeboard at gmail.com. And then uh, we're allowed to send out that new tree care plan to anybody that wants it. Okay. So, so we can do it through an email, uh, which would, it's 26 pages. So we could actually send it to people and they can download it or look at it. It's like a PDF. Yeah, PDF. Okay. And it's an educational plan. So it actually educates the community. Any any other events that you'd like to, to bring up? No other, other events, but we're planning to have our website improved on the uh, TalsGov. Okay. Section and they're actually going to put that plan on that. It's it's a work in progress, so we're going to actually have a section for questions and answers for the community. Oh, cool! That's another idea we had that we we're working on. All right, there will be a an active web page on the Taos Town Government website that has to do with the tree board. Correct. That's excellent, right. and it just sounds like the town the town is on board with 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 this. Work. Yeah, it's just that I think they need to just figure out the budgeting because mm-hmm. we didn't talk much about it, and it takes more than two minutes to talk about it. Uh, it they really have to uh, add more to the budget for tree care, and okay. that's staffing and everything else. Right, of course. Yeah. yeah. We've been talking with Paul Bryant Jones from the Taos Tree Board. Thank you for coming on. You're welcome. I really appreciate that. Yeah, plant a tree. <laughs> plant a tree, everybody. You've been listening to the Taos Land Trust Podcast. This podcast was produced and recorded by Jim O'Donnell at the studios of KNCE 93.5 FM in Taos, New Mexico. Edited by Brett Tomadin. If you'd like to support this podcast, please visit www.taoslandtrust.org. This is Jim O'Donnell for the Taos Land Trust. Thank you for joining us.